Welcome to the Preserving Family Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to equip you to gain insight, information, and inspiration to help you protect, teach, and guide your family during these turbulent times. Our goal is to provide tools and resources to help you strengthen and preserve your own marriages and families. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Mark and Janie Ogletree. Hey everyone, welcome today. We're so glad you're with us. Yeah, thanks for being with us today. We are going to have a great discussion today about the hows of work, about how teenage work has changed a little bit in the last few years. Um, Hopefully we're going to share a few funny stories that all you parents can relate to and um, we're going to have fun today. Well, yeah, kind of maybe to start off, you think of the amount of time some of our children and even grandchildren spend in trying to get out of work, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, There's a funny quote by Bill Gates. He said, I chose, I choose a lazy person to do a hard job because a lazy person will find an easy way to do it (laughs) every time. Gotta love that. And that just reminds me of a couple stories that we have um, from our children and grandchildren, but our two daughters live just right next to the BYU stadium. And there are two little boys who are, Two boys are four and one of them is five. So there's three little boys and they decided they wanted, you know, to be, have a lemonade stand and sell candy. And their mom said, hey, let's sell on Saturday at the BYU game. So they went out to the corner and their moms bought them a few candy bars and they sold out. They sold their water bottles and they thought that was so cool to make a few extra dollars. Well, no, they were making really good money. Well, yeah. So then they started doing it every single Saturday before the BYU game started. And they were making a few hundred dollars every week, these little four and five-year-olds. Right. (laughs) And so um, anyway... Cannon, our little one of our little four-year-olds, his mom said, "Hey, Ken, before, you know, if you save enough money after a few more games, you're going to be able to save enough money to buy that dirt bike you want." And Cannon, you know, looked he was really his, excited at first. At first, you? yeah, but then you know it took a little work, and it took every Saturday going down and setting up their little table and hauling and all their booth. stuff down yeah. in their wagon. <laughs> but anyway, so he began to lose, you know, some enthusiasm, and his his mom Kenzie said you know, Cannon, come on, let's go do this. You're you're almost there. You're getting close to earning your dirt bike money. And he looked at her and he said, Mom, if I just wait till Christmas to get my dirt bike, then it'll be free because Santa will bring it to me and then I won't have to do any work. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. (laughs) And uh, just his little four-year-old mind, like I think that's how a lot of us think, right? (laughs) Exactly. Well, the funny part of that story. We think smarter, not harder. (laughs) Right. Well, I was going to say the funny part of that story for me is that his... The, the mothers of two, those two boys, Cannon and Calvin, when they were, when they were in, uh, you know, what, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, somewhere there, maybe even younger than that, they would take their laundry, their brand oh, new clean goodness. laundry. You remember this? They would, they would pry open the mattresses in their bedroom and they would shove all the laundry <laughs> under the mattress so they wouldn't have to put it away in the drawers and or in the, in the closet. Bottom. Yeah. They would yeah. they would spend more time trying to find places to hide their clean laundry laundry than just to put it in the drawers where <laughs> it went. Or I me as a mom, I'd find laundry that had been already folded, hadn't even been put away from the week before that was back in the dirty clothes because my kids didn't put it away. Right. Oh my goodness. So we as parents have a huge job in teaching our kids how to work, the importance of work, why it feels brings satisfaction and feels good because I don't think naturally our kids love to work, right? And I think that's natural with all of us. I think we'd all be rather sitting around, you know, by a pool with a smoothie in our hand or watching right. TV or lounging on the couch because, you know, <laughs> work sometimes is uncomfortable, but 
Well, I that's think that's our job to teach us, teach our kids, right? Jamie, exactly. Well, I, I love something that you've said before, and I've heard you say it a few times, but it takes work to teach your children to work, yeah, right? I mean, that's absolutely. That's kind of a big deal. So, in our last episode, we discussed why teaching your children to work is such an important idea or concept, and you know, on this idea of preserving and strengthening the family, it's certainly a way that we can strengthen and build bonds in our families and teach our children great principles. Today, we're gonna to talk about some interesting data on the amount of time that teenagers spend working. Uh, we'll share some of that information with you and then we'll get into some of the hows of teaching our children to work. So Janie, do you remember some of your summer jobs? Yeah, hmm. I do. <laughs> what do you remember? Um, I worked at a little boutique pharmacy place. Yeah. That was my first job. I worked at a children's clothing store. Wow. Um, which was stressful, having to learn how to be a salesman and when I was 16 or 17. and um, Out of your comfort zone, right? Yeah. For sure. One of my favorite places is we worked, it was called Games People Play. Yeah. And it was, uh, they had bumper boats, go-karts, putt-putt golf. They built in a huge water slide. So that was actually a party because my whole school <laughs> was always there and I didn't feel like work. It felt like a party. So that was a super fun job. That was the one where, all, where all, you worked with all your friends, right? If yeah, I remember right. My, yeah. My two sisters worked there. <laughs> so That sounds awesome. Yeah. So do you remember a summer where you didn't work as a teenager? No. Especially in high school, right? Mm -mm. And I, you know, bagged groceries at a grocery store, you know, had some interesting experiences with that. Worked a lot of landscaping and outdoors, you know, outdoor jobs. I've even worked out in the oil fields. I mean, there was never... There was never a time that we didn't work, you know, as teenagers. It was just expected or given, right? right? Everybody did that. I didn't know anybody who didn't work. Right. It was just like, that's just what you did, you know. And so today, that's changing a little bit. In fact, over time, I'll just share a couple of data points with you here. But in the 1970s, only 22% of high school seniors did not work for pay at some time during the school year. But by the 2010s, 44% weren't working. So that number doubles over that 30 or 40 year period. Uh, fewer teens have summer jobs today. In 1980, for example, 70% of teenagers had summer jobs. We would have been, that was part of us, right? We were in that group at that time. But that number slid down to 43%. So from 70% to 43% in the 2010s. Now, some people... Maybe. That, was, that was 10 years ago, so I bet it's slid way further. Even than. more, right? Maybe yeah. like closer to 50% now. Now, some would, would say that's just because there's just not enough jobs, but that's not true. The number of teens who don't work today, uh, who don't want a job, has actually doubled. It's not that there aren't enough jobs. It's just that fewer want to work or feel mm -hmm. the need to work. In fact, every... Place in town, it seems like, has a sign up that yeah. says help wanted. Since COVID, right? Yeah. I mean, there's places that can't even open because they can't, they don't have enough workers. So Right. You never saw this before, but even at BYU where I work, you know, there are signs on almost every building asking for help, you know, help wanted signs, you know, to, to do custodial work, which, which, you know, I know that's not fun work, but, but you never saw those signs earlier, you know, in earlier generations. Since 2000, the percent of teenagers working has fallen from 43% to 27%. And the share of teens that participate in the labor force peaked 40 years ago and has declined ever since. So in 1979, 66%, no, 60% of American teenagers were working. That was the all-time high. But today, 
about 35%. So not 60, but 35% of teens between 16 and 19 are, are part of the workforce today. Now, some may be thinking, well, once again, our teenagers are involved in extracurricular activities. It's not true. I mean, they are, but time spent on student clubs and on sports and exercise has actually changed very little over time. Uh, in fact, think of us, Janie, as we look back on our high school lives. Yes, we work, but we also were involved in sports and dance and other school activities still, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe there's some who would think, and I say some, like parents, well, that's because they're doing homework, right? That's their job. As we've talked about before, their job is to do homework and make wonderful, awesome grades. But it's not true. They, these teenagers today are not doing more homework than previous generations. And Jane Twinge's book, you know, iGen, that we will, will refer to often on this podcast, she said that 8th, 10th, and 12th graders, part of her study, actually spent less time on homework than previous generations. So, wow. so iGen teens are spending less time on homework, paid work, volunteering, and extracurricular activities combined, not more. So yeah, they have more time, but they're not using it to work necessarily, or even do as much homework <laughs> as maybe some may think. So what are they doing with their time? <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> right, right. And so I think every parent needs to be able to answer that question is what, what are they doing with their time? And once again, some are doing incredible things. You know, I remember watching some of our kids and other kids who had early morning seminary and had, a, you know, a full academic schedule and they were involved in sports and you were almost encouraging them to take a day off, right? But but there are others that probably have a lot more time on their hands. So the question then becomes, so where do they get their money? Where do they get their money if they're not working all the time? And maybe there's only one really good answer of where they're getting that money. And it's called Venmo, right? It's called <laughs> mom and dad, can you Venmo me? And we, we have a daughter that used to say that. I'd say, how are you gonna pay for that? And she'd say, dad, just Venmo me, right? <laughs> so that reminds me of a Elder Maxwell quote probably over close to almost 50 years ago, where yeah. he said, those who do too much for their children will soon find they can do nothing with their children. So many children have been so much done for that they are almost done in. Wow. You know, and that's, you, you think about that for a few minutes, you know, let it sink in for a minute that there have been children, there are children out there that have had so much done for them that they're, they've almost been incapacitated, you know? And I think we have so much wealth and affluence, you know, in our society right now and in our economy that our children, I see so many parents that want to protect their children. They don't want them to work. They don't want them to have to, you know, go through what they went through or whatever. And these kids are just have their dad's credit card. They're able to go buy whatever they want. They get online, buy whatever they want. They tour the world. They just have, they've had every experience in the world. They've been to every amusement park and we're just kind of amusing our kids to death. Yeah. Back to that elder Oak statement that I often think of Stephen R. Covey's statement, you know, that to begin with the end in mind. And when you think of that and you put it in the context of Okay, we don't want our kids to work. We're going to protect them from that. You know, we're just going to kind of strip all that away. So where does that kind of decision take us? You know, what's the end result of that? What is, how does that play out over the years? And I think it's something that all of us need to think about as parents for sure. Okay, so we're going to talk about a few of the benefits of children working. And I know we've kind mm -hmm. of talked about this 
you know, in general, but we're going to kind of just list out a few, you know, very specific benefits of teaching our children to work. And we say children teaching our children to work. That doesn't mean that they're out punching a clock all the time. Although, right. you know, it's really good for teenagers, but even in our younger children and in our children, they need to be being learning skills at home, you know, right. helping in the garden, helping keep the house clean, all those kind of helping things. Helping clean the garage. I mean, whatever right. needs to be done. Yeah. So it's not always working for money. Right. It's, it's just learning the value and benefit of work. So, First one, work provides a means for our children to learn self-discipline and to be responsible. I mean, mm -hmm. it never ceases to amaze me. I hear teen, you know, parents of teens that are like, oh, I went in to get my kid up for school. And I'm like, why are you getting your child up for school? <laughs> like, Especially when they're 18, right? Right. They, children, you know, from a small age need to be learned self-discipline to take care of their own needs, their own responsibility, um, and teach them to become self-disciplined. Another thing that work gives is it builds talents and skills, you know, so our, our children learned how to tile, you know, how to paint walls, how to fix things, how, how to, to change, fix the fence, yeah. yeah, change oil in the car. Those are all things that our children, when they leave our home, need to be taught. And that's through work. You, you know, know, it's so. funny, Janie, I didn't, I didn't recognize how much some of our children were paying attention to some of those skills, but now watching them as, as adults remodel their own homes which they spend a lot of time with us doing that, it's like, wow, they're they're better than we are now. Yeah, you know? yeah, they really are. And my daughters cook, like they're incredible cooks, way better yeah. than I did. <laughs> sure. Um, another thing, it helps um, work and productivity helps our teenager, teenagers become happier and have a higher degree of self-worth. So if kids are just lounging around all day doing nothing, playing video games, how are they ever going to have self-worth and self self-esteem or have any joy? It reminds me of, uh, but back to that gene twinge data that the kids that work, you know, report in their data on their surveys that they're happier than those who don't work and who spend more time on the internet and things like that. Right. Um, teens can learn to become independent mm. and self-reliant, which is great. Budgeting their own money, learning how to handle that. You know, if you spend all your money in the first week, you don't have any the second week or whatever. And those are all life lessons that we want our children to learn while they're in our home. You know, not when they're out for the first time in college or away from home. Well, we've had a couple of them, like we mentioned before, that had to learn the hard way that if you're late to work, you know, talk about being independent and self-reliant, that your boss doesn't like that a whole lot, right? <laughs> you can get in trouble or get fired, right? Yeah. Um, work is one of the best ways to help children develop self-worth and confidence and personal satisfaction and you know, and I just think in our culture, we're spending so much time worried about our, the mental health of our kids and our youth. And we're giving them trophies and awards and trying to, you know, buoy them up and tell them how awesome they are. When in reality, learning skills and learning hard work is benefiting these kids. They find more self-worth and self-esteem in actually accomplishing tax, tasks right. and accomplishing goals and learning new skills. That's a, an honest way to help our children yeah. really feel confident and feel good about themselves. Amen. Another one, work helps to our teenagers and our children become less egocentric and more prone to help and serve other people, especially that work that we do in our families, right? When our mm -hmm. children have a mindset that that they are that they should help, that they're part of a family, and that they have responsibilities, it's not just about them, you know. Mm -hmm. I think work uh, working in other places can help them with that. Here's another one: that work at home can enhance family unity, loyalty, and friendship. 
You know, think of all the family work projects, Janie, you probably were involved in in your family growing up or or even in our family with our own children. But I, I know that some of that work really bonded us together. I still remember spending the spring break with our children. I know they weren't happy about it, but we tiled our the downstairs of our home, you know, and, and once again, that, that was probably not their favorite thing to do, but I still remember that very vividly. And I'm, I'm sure they do too, not for the same reasons, you know, <laughs> not for the fun part, but, but they all can do it now. Right. All, all of our kids can, if they had to, they could tile and right paint and do all those kind of things. How about this one? Work, work can be fun and exhilarating, you know, especially when you're learning something new or doing something that really helps someone else. You know, I remember being with someone once and they were siding their home. This is when we lived in Logan, Utah. But I remember thinking, wait, I think I could do this. I could probably do this. But it was exciting to learn a new skill and then apply it, you know, to our home. Or, or some work is fun. You worked at a at a resort, basically, right? And <laughs> that, that was fun. pretty fun for you. <laughs> uh, working can allow us to obtain earthly rewards, right? I mean, the prizes go to those who work the hardest. We've talked about that before, but... But work does allow us to to have an advantage. I remember in my day, I had to work the whole summer. And at the end of the summer, I bought my own school clothes. But it was kind of cool to know that, hey, I paid for this. You know, I'm, I'm, that's my role in the family to, to, to do that. And it was a good thing for me. Last one, hard work puts our children in a position in a spiritual way to gain a testimony and to become converted to the, to the gospel. Because it's really hard to become converted and to get spiritually secure and fastened to the iron rod if you're lazy, right? This isn't going to work real well, work out real well. Uh, And if they've learned those skills of being self-disciplined, of of seeing what work does, of being committed, of setting goals and things like that, reading your scriptures for those kind of kids isn't going to be hard. Saying your prayers, you know, going and doing service projects, showing up on Wednesday nights for mutual, that's not going to be hard for those kids. Because they're used to that. They're used to getting in and jumping in. Well, I remember that as a missionary, you know, I'd always heard of how hard it was going to be. And I remember thinking, this is not that hard, right? And part of it was because I was no longer having to go to a, a ranch or a farm every weekend to work my tail off, right? Or, or mowing ditches like I had done the summer before. This was not that bad. All of this, these principles remind me a little bit of a experience that Elder D. Todd Christofferson shared in an interview a few years ago with Sherry Dew. Elder Christofferson was probably 10 or 11 years old. His father was out of town on business. His grandfather was there part of the time. But the Christoffersons lived on a farm, a small farm in Linden, Utah. And on a really cold, blizzardy night, their ewes, those uh, mother sheep, bore 13 lambs in one night. And without anyone there, without Elder Christofferson's dad there, without his grandfather there to help, at least for a time, it was Elder Christofferson's job to find a way to keep those lambs alive. Now, his grandfather was able to come and help for a little, a short time and taught him how to rub them together in a gunny sack and to warm them up to keep them warm. And Elder Christofferson spent the night doing that just to keep these lambs alive. And the next day, his mom called his dad, who was in Chicago on business, so Elder Christofferson could report what had happened and how many uh, lambs had been born. His dad said uh, to Elder Christofferson, so how many lambs did we, how many lambs did we lose? And Elder Christofferson said he was really happy to be able to report to his dad. They didn't lose any, which was quite miraculous. 
But then Elder Christofferson made this great point after, after he had done all that work as a 10 or 11-year-old boy. He said, you know, today a lot of parents build self-worth in their children by telling them how amazing they are. But he said, in my mind, the way that you build that self-worth is by helping your children do hard things and to work hard. Now look where that paid off. If, if you think of begin with the end in mind, you look where Elder Christofferson has ended up, not just in the church, but even in his professional life. And I'm sure if he were here, he would tell us that a lot of that was the result of the hard work he learned on a farm as a young boy in Linden, Utah. So let's talk about, for a minute, how to teach your children to work. I think this is a real key is, how do we do this? And I would say the very first, probably maybe one of the most important principles here is to be examples. You know, our teenagers, our children need to see their mothers and fathers and other significant adults in their life as hard workers. You know, when teenagers grow up watching their parents work, they're a lot more likely to emulate a work ethic and a work mentality. I know that happened for me. My parents were very hardworking people and and just work was just part of our family culture. It, there was, it, it was an easy transition uh, for me to be a hard worker later in life myself. Uh, if there's a positive relationship with our children and we, and we work with them, which we'll talk more about in a minute, that is so helpful as well. But you can't be lazy as parents, right? You can't be lying on the couch or in the recliner. Yeah, ordering with, them around or <laughs> right, you know? wondering why they're not out working. Right. Ordering them to go get it all done while you're inside watching TV. That's just not going to, that's not going to help be helpful. You know, and I'm also thinking, do your parents, do your children know your work stories? Do they know some of the hard work that you've done in your life? Do they know? Your ancestors, their ancestors' work stories, you know, yeah. how they crossed the plains or how they started businesses or how they settled, you know, new parts of the country or whatever, whatever they did, whatever the stories are in your ancestral line. Yeah. No, that, that was a motivator for me. I know I grew up in a family where I had a grandfather who started working for a company when he was 16 years old and he retired from that company when he was 65 as the vice president. But, but he had worked his way up just as a hardworking young man. Uh, So yes, be the example to be number one. I think another good point, too, is point out other people who work, you know, show them right. if they're into sports. Well, look how hard that athlete has worked to get here. Look how hard that pianist has worked to become a concert pianist. You know, look how hard that dancer has worked to get where they're at. Or, you mm-hmm. know, look how Bishop Smith, you know, how many hours he puts into serving our ward. Or, you know, there's I think there's so many things that we can do to point out positive work. Right. Or when they work, wow, look how hard you worked to study for this test or worked on this science project. I bet you're going to get a great grade. And just paying, painting the you know the name, the four-letter word of work in a positive light <laughs> right. instead of it being a four-letter word, you know, we've talked about. Showing them that's how you accomplish things in this life, right? Right, so. just pointing it out constantly. I think one of the most important things that we can do when we are teaching our children how to work is to work alongside them. Yeah. I We learned this lesson very early Maybe on. Maybe the hard way, right? <laughs> Very early on when we had several little tiny children and we had a little playroom off our family room and all the toys were out there and we had buckets, right? And trays for everything and everything had a place. But when friends came over or they went out, I mean, they would all get dumped and that room looked just like a tornado hit it. And I would say, go out there and clean that up. You know, and I'm talking <laughs> about six-year-old, five-year-old, two, four-year-olds. Yeah. yeah. And I'd put them out there and say, clean it. I'd come out an hour later 
only to find it was even probably messier than it was before. <laughs> but right. children don't have the ability. I mean, that's overwhelming for adults to walk into a room like that with all the buckets dumped and toys everywhere. How do we expect a three-year-old, a four-year-old, a six-year-old to know how to do to that. know how to clean? Yeah. So, but if I went out there with them, I would say, okay, guys, here's the Lego bucket. All the Legos go in this bucket. Here's the Barbie bucket, guys, mm -hmm. all the bar. And if we work with them and work with, through our children and teach them where things go, and it was also a fun time to be with them, to laugh, to hear their silly conversations. And as our children got older, like you talked about a minute ago, working through family projects and the conversations that you can have weeding a flower bed next to each other on your knees. And you're just, you're hearing them talk. You're hearing, you know, probably talking about things they would never just share with you in any other circumstance. But work is a great way to spend time with our teenagers, with our young children, but we have to teach them and work alongside them. It's no fun to say, hey, son, go out and weed the garden. But it's a lot more fun if the whole family goes out together or if you and I are going to go together. You know, it's it's just a great principle. Yeah, and, you know, as you talked, I, Janie, I was thinking of our daughter, Bethany, who, who at the time was in high school. You know, here she was, a cheerleader and, and was involved in a lot of activities. And I remember one day we were at the dump in Plano, Texas, you know, and I just thought, how many... How many high school girls are at the dump with their dad today, you know? But to me, that's always been a great memory of that was father-daughter time. That was Slurpee, Slurpee or ice cream time after. And so, yes, I think that's such a great time to build relationships as we work with our children. Here's another one that we can expect children to work at an early age. Or in other words, sometimes I think parents want to may think that's something that comes later. We'll start worrying about that when they're teenagers or when they're 10 or 11 or 12 years old, but they can start working at a really young age. Uh, you know, you think of young children, what they're capable of doing, putting some silverware in the right place in the dishwasher. Picking up their blocks and putting them in the bucket. Yeah, picking up their own clothes, right? Uh, putting them in the hamper, yeah. Then you get to in the teenage years, hey, they're fully capable of almost anything an adult can do, right? They can mop, they can sweep, they can do the laundry. There's a lot of things they could do. Not Absolutely. that they want to do that, by the way, <laughs> right? So Absolutely. I love this principle. Never do anything for your children that they can do for themselves. And I see so many parents doing that. I mean, I have literally seen parents doing things for their college-age children. That I, I mean, literally have seen parents, you know, serving their children food and cutting it up in their teenagers, you know. We and, really lived by that rule, right. you know, with our children. As we did not, we tried not to do anything. Like, you know, there's always the moments when you're trying to help them and they're late and running. But if they can do it themselves... You know, that that's their responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I think that has really paid off with our kids. I We had friends who wouldn't let their kids come in the kitchen because they didn't want them messing up the kitchen. Right. You know, they weren't allowed to ever touch their dad's tools because the dad didn't want his tools shelf messed up. And and for us, um, you know, I'd say, no, go. You need, <laughs> a, you need to make brownies for your class tomorrow? Go make brownies. Right. Go for it. In fact, I still remember our daughter, Callie. She was probably two years old. And this was right after I'd heard of a of a family that we knew that uh, their kids weren't allowed to be in the kitchen. And here's Callie, two years old, pushing the bar stool into the kitchen, climbing up on top of it, climbing up three rows on the in the cupboard to get a cup, and then pushing the bar stool across the other side of the kitchen to climb up to get a drink. And I remember thinking, great, that is what, you just keep going, girl. You just do that, you know. And <laughs> Love that initiative, right? Right. And you know what? Today, she's she still has that initiative. She's very driven. 
You know, I, I think sometimes of our children doing things like mopping, sweeping. I think of our son mowing the lawn. And you know what? At first, it didn't look great. It didn't look awesome. There were some places that he may have skipped, but he he did he did a great job and he learned eventually. And in fact, he learned so well, he had his own lawn business by the time he was in high school. You yeah. Know? So another principle is we need to make work fun. You know, if we're positive mm-hmm. and energetic about work, our kids are going to, you know, that's going to translate into our children. Right. But if we're negative about it, you know, it's obviously going to translate. That's going to translate too. If they're getting yelled at the whole time or. Right. And if it's just drudgery or they're getting beat over the head with it or there's, you know, never any good associated with it, we don't want to do that with our children. We want to make work a positive thing. We want to show them the awesome things that come out of it. So we always tried to make it fun. You know, if we were going to go go clean the garage on a hot summer day, we're all going to go to the lake after and go swimming or we're going to all go get ice cream cones or, you know, night we had a, a funny chore chart at night and we the, the the kids would all make fun because we had a one of our chores was to always go bathe the babies and everybody wanted that one. So they didn't have to put the leftovers away or, you know, mop or sweep or whatever. But we'd always try to turn fun music on or be telling funny stories or something to make the atmosphere fun. Yeah, I think that's so critical for for us children and teenagers to make it fun. And I think some of our kids, if they were here, would say, you know what, we loved we love going to the store afterwards and getting a treat or whatever. Here's another one, uh, to help your child succeed. And so one of the ways to help your children succeed in their work is to give them work that fits their age, right? So probably not going to hand uh, a chainsaw to a four-year-old and tell them to go chop down the Christmas tree or something like that. But we give them chores that fit their age that where they can be successful, right? Where they can have a sense of accomplishment, gain some confidence. And of course, we can kind of build that up as we go. Uh, rewarded behavior continues. That's another great principle. And as we praise our children and reward them, uh, they're more likely to repeat what they just did. I mean, it's so true, right, for all of us. That principle is true for adults. You know, another great principle, I kind of call this a bonus principle, but create a need. We need to find ways to create a need for our youth to work because a lot of them don't need to. In fact, they're given cars and they have smartphones and iPads and all the clothes and money that they need. And who would want to work under those circumstances? You have everything, right? And so why not discover what your child's desires are and what they need and then create some kind of work that they could do to help them achieve that and to pay for that, you know? I mean, if they're going to be going to sports camps anyway, or they're going, they want to go to FSY or they want to go to some exotic place, whatever it may be, why not customize and, and systemize it a little bit and make it so that they may have to work in order for that to happen, right? Right. And I felt like with our children, when they had to work to go, you know, to go to cheer camp or to go to cross country camp or BYU sports camps or, or you know, or Heffy or whatever they wanted to do, they knew that they were going to have to earn at least half of that. Right. And um, I really appreciate that that meant a lot to them. You know, they appreciated their camps. They worked hard once they got there. They loved Heffy because they had worked so hard to get there. And so Mm. not only does it help teach them to work, but then once they are there at their sports camp, because they've worked so hard to get there, they put their all into it. They appreciated it. Dad just didn't send them and they didn't, weren't handed just some freebie thing. Right, right. They put more energy, they value it more, and they appreciate it more, I think, right? Just like a mission. A mission would be the same way, or even college. You know, they... I think they appreciate it and value it much more when they're helping and they have some skin in the game. Absolutely. 
So Elder Stan Ellis and his sweet wife, KK, raised an incredible family there in Houston with us as we were growing up. They were good friends of ours, and he later became a member of the Quorum of the Seventy. He gave a wonderful talk in October 2017, and I'd like to read a quote of his. He said, hard work makes us stronger, humbles us, and gives us a chance to prove ourselves. The hard things in our lives should come as no surprise. One of the earliest covenants we make with the Lord is to live the law of sacrifice. Hard is a part of the gospel plan. One of the purposes of this life is for us to be proven. In the world of nature, hard is part of the circle of life. It is hard for a baby chick to hatch out of that tough eggshell. But when someone tries to make it easier, the chick doesn't develop the strength necessary to live. And then Elder Ellis added this story. He said before his calling that he was a financial consultant in Houston and that most of his work was with multimillionaires who owned their own businesses. And he then said that almost all of them had created their successful businesses from nothing through lots of hard work. And then he said, the saddest thing for me was to hear some of them say that they wanted to make it easier for their children. They did not want their children to suffer as they had, or in other words, that they would deprive their children of the very thing that had made them successful. Well, that is a pattern that I see over and over again of parents thinking that way, having that mentality of, you know, why would we want to make it hard for our children? Let's pay for for everything along the way. Let's provide everything we need to, even as they're married now, that we have some uh, some parents paying the full way. In fact, I've even heard of doctors and uh, other uh, professionals in our area that are working well into their 70s because they're still providing for their married children that are in their 30s now because they want to give them that lifestyle that, you know, that 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 they have, you know. So, you know, that reminds me of a, an experience we had quite a few years ago, but uh, our son was newly married. And one night, Janie and I drove home and noticed that he was on our street with a friend and we stopped our car, rolled down the window and asked him what he was doing and found out that they were knocking on the doors of neighbors, he and a friend, and they were asking if they could wash their windows. They had started their own little window washing business. And after we had some small talk after that and gave them some suggestions of some people they may uh, talk to, I remember looking at Janie, I don't know if you remember this, but saying, you know what, we don't need to worry about him. You know, any any young man who works one job all day and now is doing another one at night, to provide for his brand new family, I think he's going to be just fine. Yeah, and he is. He has <laughs> been a solid hard worker his whole life. Totally true. So, yes, we as parents, uh, <laughs> it mm. takes a lot of work to teach our children to work. I mean, I look I look back and think of all the chore charts and the systems and the different things that we would try to do to create opportunities for work and growth and skill learning in our family. And it's a lot of work on the parents' part. But it could be fun. You know, that's the thing is it doesn't have to be dr- drudgery. It could be fun, but it does take work. It does it take does. sacrifice yep. to, to be good parents and to and to create these opportunities for our children. And once again, the idea with beginning with the end in mind, think of the incredible result afterwards, you know, as those children become adults and they're self-sufficient and they're independent and they're hardworking. Well, as we wrap up today, a reminder that one of our themes is LDS, Let's Do Something. We want you to do something today. We want to invite you to do something from what you've heard as we've talked about work now for the past couple of episodes. If you've had any thoughts, any ideas on what you could do to improve that work ethic in your own family, then follow those those uh, thoughts and those ideas that have come to you. 
and uh, find ways to create opportunities for your children and your family to create a work culture in your home. And once again, it can, it can be fun. It does not have to be drudgery. If you've enjoyed this podcast, feel free to share with any of your friends or family that can benefit. You can also visit our website at preservingfamilies.org. Until then, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Have a great week.